Welcome to Church Ahead, the weekly Christian podcast talking about big questions facing the future of church with Rev L all the way from the north of England. Episode 75, Church Crawl. All those episodes in this podcast still has a notable omission. No Manchester accent yet. So we'll put that right today. What did you do on Sunday morning, the 25th of June, 2023? Revel sprinted round three churches, taking in the worship action at three very different Christian communities on a sort of church crawl. I've never had a big enough booze appetite to sustain a pub crawl, but I can manage a church crawl. Now, of course, I'm not there for my own sake. I am there on your behalf, as your ears and eyes, to take the temperature of the Christian church at three different places on one day. Audacious. What you on about? Audacious, that's the name of our first church. And don't you think it's a brilliant name with a hint of following Jesus is a revolution? It sounds specially good in a Manchester accent. It's totally audacious, our kid. I'm stood outside in the already full, by no means puny car park, at about 9.45, gathering my courage to go in for the 10am service. I see a 40-ish black lady with two junior school-aged children on the street outside. It doesn't occur to me they're coming in here because I've assumed this is a white church. And that's the first of my many assumptions blown apart by what I see here this morning. Soon lots of people are streaming in, and probably half of them are of Caribbean African heritage. I can see their car park is organised for commercial leasing, which is my first clue that this church is a bit different. From the outside, the building looks like a bland warehouse, better suited to electrical wholesale than divine worship. The young people on the door, all black, give me a warm welcome and hand me a welcome bag with introductory flyers and sweets. I walk in and head for the loos. My goodness, they're really nice, like a mid-range hotel. Out into the lobby where people are streaming in, en route to the main worship space. But my eye is caught by the coffee bar that would give any high street coffee chain a run for their money. The worship is warming up. And on the dot of ten, they crank up the volume, so I get the message. This is their call to worship, and I go into the main hall. I'm slightly shocked by the dark nightclub lighting of this huge hangar-like building. I walk past a sound desk with several bods and a huge raft of mixing kit, and with Church Ahead listeners in mind, I go right up to the front. A score of teenagers are dancing in front of the eight-piece band, with a couple of worship leaders revving up the atmosphere. Here comes my first etiquette mistake. The place is 80-90% to full, and I sit on the surprisingly empty, very front row. And within five minutes, I realise that I've bagged the dancing teenagers' seats. You certainly don't need a service book, because everything is projected on the big screens at the front. But forget your clunky overhead church projector. The production and presentation standards here are more like a cinema. The visuals are very slick. I would estimate the congregation as four to five hundred people. How audacious to have so many. Hasn't anyone told them church is shrinking? 
every age group except older people, I feel like the granddad. Smart casuals with a look, not Sunday best, but my sense was people had taken the trouble to dress for something that matters to them. If I had to distill the message, it would be something like, <clears throat> life is a struggle, but Jesus can help you. My sense was that what was coming from the front really connected with the people. The two leaders on stage were a male-female combo, perhaps late 30s, early 40s, wearing short-sleeved t-shirts. They sprayed around the name of Jesus in a way that left me wondering if they think the name of Jesus is a spell or a celestial password. But the people around me lapped it up. What I will never forget was the energy of the heavily pregnant woman bouncing, hopping and leaping around on the stage. It was clear to me she was the favourite of the women around me. Her prayers drew the loudest amens. But as I looked on, I have to admit my main concern was, is this woman going to give birth right in front of me? Now you're probably worried, how can Revel cope with church thrice? But I'll let you into a secret. I don't always stay to the end. This service went on for the length of a Hollywood film, but after 25 minutes, I meandered my way to the back and out, passing several concerned inquiries about my welfare. Yes, I was impressed, but shall we say, rock concert charismatic worship in a dark warehouse is not the best worship fit for a middle-aged introverted intellectual aesthete like me. So I walked a few minutes to somewhere much more my style. Welcome to the 10.30 Eucharist at Manchester Cathedral, Church of England. So, from a commercial business park to a medieval stone cathedral, from an electric guitar band to a tip-top red-robed choir, two things I loved straight away were daylight streaming in through actual windows after the darkness I'd come from, and the stillness of silence after all that racket. And that's before we even get to the glorious choral music. Yes, this place is much more my style. The service kicked off with a lovely liturgical procession led by a cross. Everyone on show was nicely robed. So I sat down with a quiet sense of relief. Immediately, I felt at home. But as I gathered my breath and started to look around, I couldn't help noticing how many empty chairs there were. I would estimate the congregation at about 70-ish in quantity and a similar number for their average age. After feeling like a granddad at Audacious, in the cathedral I felt like I was a teenager. I was one of the youngest. There were a smattering of tiny children in the creche at one side. I could not see any school-aged children. This was the main morning service. Again, we had two leaders who could have been the fathers of the couple fronting Audacious, two white men in their 60s. One had a dull, flat voice. The other was more listenable. The message was, like Jeremiah, we struggle to get our protest heard. The most memorable sermon line was a political sideswipe. He slightly lowered his voice to confide. Do you know the Tories want cathedrals to talk like the Daily Mail? the populist right-wing British newspaper. 
The intercessions were all about the struggle of public services. My impression of the congregation, weighing them up over the instant coffee served women's institution trade tables like afterwards, was that they were better educated and more formally dressed than the audacious lot. They felt to me like retired, high-rank public sector workers. Perhaps 10 to 20% were black people. There were also some tourists. But with the memory of the bouncing, pregnant worship leader from Audacious fresh in my mind, the most telling visual image was the canon clergyman slumped down in a chair next to the exit towards the end of the coffee time, apparently lacking the energy to stand up and go to the door and do the traditional clergy handshake. Nice to meet you. Thank you for coming. Audacious was a high-energy church. The cathedral felt high on beauty but low on energy. So where next for the final stop on this three-part Sunday morning church crawl? I walked up New Cathedral Street, the one new ecclesiastically named thoroughfare in the newly laid out post-bomb Manchester city centre, into St Anne Square and I was just passing the main West Church door entrance when I heard Bishop Mark of Middleton chatting up some well-dressed ladies serving coffee in nice cups, not mugs, with actual saucers. That would have drawn my mother in. But the special event service had finished. It was Petertide, so I wonder if it's something to do with ordination. But it didn't look very full. So with the church ahead agenda firm in my mind, I walked on across King Street, down the alleyway to arrive outside St Mary's, Roman Catholic Church, affectionately known as the Hidden Gem. Yes, it is hidden, in a back street and reminds us of the days when Catholics were wise not to draw attention to themselves. And it's a gem all right. Tall, 1848 Gothic red brick with quirky tower that Pugin didn't like, but I do. Inside, lovely modern stations of the cross. Full marks for compactness. They really pack a lot of religious service into a small physical space. At St Mary's Roman Catholic Church, there was just one priest at the front. So not just a hard-working building, but a hard-working priest. No choir or band, but a cantor on the balcony, which made it feel a little bit like a synagogue. Like the male choir in the cathedral, this guy could really sing. The congregation was a couple of hundred Whilst I couldn't spot anyone under 20, there was a good spread of adults between, let's say, 20 and 80 years of age. The centre of Manchester has been repopulated with young adults in city centre flats in recent years. And this was the only place where I felt I was rubbing shoulders with local residents rather than commuters from further out. About one third of the people were black or minority ethnic. I heard more than one foreign language and quite a few Manchester accents. This was the most genuinely and broadly diverse congregation. Anyone could blend in here. The sermon was short, clear and simple. I sensed the priest was aware that not everyone here had good English language skills. The text was the same Jeremiah passage as the cathedral, but the message was quite different. We're struggling to get our Christian gospel out even more than we used to. 
A sense of mission came over with realism and quiet determination. The Holy Communion was not much more Catholic than the cathedral, apart from a very Catholic high church altar with big candles. The people seemed to be really engaged with the worship, and I felt they were there to engage with the sacred, and that the service was delivering. No after-church refreshments here, but a quiche little shop selling rosaries, saints' cards and other Catholic paraphernalia. As I walked back to my car, I couldn't help noticing that Audacious was full again with the second sitting. This lot were males listening to an Australian man saying something about the struggles of fatherhood. So, three very different experiences of Christian worship within a ten-minute walk in Manchester city centre. Wow, what a church crawl. As a Christian who roots for church, I saw plenty to please me and also quite a few things to worry me about our future. Next week, we'll drill down into the detail. But let me finish today with a bit of church history and personal history. The Church of England was in the middle of my church crawl and it's in the middle in other ways too. One of the great strengths of the Church of England, as I've known it, is that they've never pretended to be the only Christians. They've usually been well aware that Christian people have some choice. And when the Church of England was developing a sense of what it stands for in the range of Christian religion, 16th century Anglican theologians like John Jewell and Richard Hooker led the Church of England to see itself quite consciously as a middle way between the extremes on offer, based on a combination of scripture, reason and tradition. In particular, the Church of England would not make you bow down to the Pope and worship Mary like the Roman Catholics who stood on one side, nor would they push you into Puritan evangelical extremism like some of the continental reformers or breakaway English dissenters. In a sense, the Church of England's offer to English Christians who care about the Church has for centuries been come and join us moderates in the middle and there'll be no extreme popery or extreme spirit-down-your-trousers Protestant excess. That's how the middle church on my church crawl has usually seen itself. But we need to ask the question, given the competition... Does being the middle way get the Church of England anywhere today? Finally, I want to put this church crawl into my own life story. Most of my Christian life has been with the Church of England. This has been the middle and centre ground of my spiritual life. From 8 to 14 and from the age of about 18 to my early 50s, this was the church I was ordained in and was pleased to serve. In a few years now, I'll claim my Church of England pension. But before I really got going with the Church of England, I had four years with the Brethren. And during those years, I was happy to coalesce with the assumption of superior New Testament authenticity to the Church of England. So my 25 minutes with Audacious, followed by an hour plus at the cathedral, echoes the journey I made in my late teens. Now, can you guess how else this church crawl echoes my own ecclesiastical journey? In my early 50s, 
I started worshipping at my local Roman Catholic church. I didn't fall out with the Church of England. It started with someone in my family who had their own reasons and I thought I should go with them. But I rather liked the worship. I thought the priest was good. And so I spent a few years going to more Catholic masses than Church of England services. Do I take communion? Of course I do. Have I gone through the hoops to do this properly? I'm not going to tell you. Now, I don't see this as anything so revolutionary as becoming a Catholic. Yes, I'm a bishop's nightmare because I don't take much notice of their rules. Here's my first conclusion from the 25th of June church crawl. The Church of England, at the centre of my life and the centre of my church crawl, on both sides has got some very strong competition. Thank you for listening to episode 75. Next week, could we cope with audacious?